Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq El Amin, and we're broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM. We're also streaming at WCEV1450.com. If you have not already done so, that means if this is your first time joining us, you are fresh out and new to the program. We're on every evening from 6 to 7 p.m. Central, and you can find us on social media. We're on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and you can follow us at Radio Islam USA and use that same username to find us wherever you get your podcast. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and TuneIn, just to name a few. So subscribe, rate, review, uh, let us know what you think, let us know what you'd like to hear about. So, that being said, good people, um, want to, oh, you know what? I can't go any further without saying a Ramadan Mubarak, a blessed Ramadan to all of you who are observing this blessed, this holy month. Uh, hope that it is bringing you a sense of renewal, uh, healing, inspiration, uh, all of the great things that we look for during this month. Now, it's odd that we're going to bring up issues of of violence or Islamophobia, you know, it's not odd. It's not odd at all because just because it's Ramadan for us, uh, for those who are observing it, it doesn't mean that the issues that we face go away, right? These are still issues that we have to deal with, but hopefully we can deal with them with a little bit of clarity, uh, maybe a better perspective, a little more understanding. So I want to start out uh, today's program um, with the executive director of the CIOGC, that's the Council of Islamic Organizations of Greater Chicagoland, uh, and that is our brother Gregory Abdullah Mitchell. Uh, he is joining us in studio. Assalamu alaikum. Waalaikum salam, brother Tariq. How are you today? I am doing well. Alhamdulillah. Um, I'm just, I'm fighting for sleep. I think like like most of us. So I'm about ready for that afternoon nap. We'll see how that works out. Um, but uh, as I mentioned, Ramadan is is a it's a blessed month definitely for us. Um, but it does not mean that the issues that we've had to deal with prior to this month, that they've gone away. As a matter of fact, uh, sometimes they, seems, they seem to raise their heads uh, a, a bit more fiercely uh, during this month. And there are a couple of things that I want to just throw on the table first before we get into uh, some of the things that um, uh, CIGC is, well, a particular inf initiative that CIGC uh, has initiated. Uh, and that is, I think it was just yesterday, there was an attack on a mosque in Connecticut. Yes. Now, Connecticut New Haven. Yeah, New Haven. It's not necessarily known as a place of, um, you know, anti-Islamic sentiment. Uh, at least, I should say, in comparison to some other places like California and New York. So, uh, I'll tell all of you this. We've had uh, Dr. Uh, Bobby McKenzie on the program in the past, and he is the director of the New America um, uh, Muslim Diaspora Project, and they chart anti-Islamic, anti-Muslim incidents that have taken place in the U.S. since 2015. And so when I say Connecticut does not have the same reputation as, say, a California or New York when it comes to anti-Muslim sentiment or uh, hate crimes, things of that nature, things that have been reported against Muslims. Keep this in mind. So since 2015, there have been 56 uh, documented incidents, at least according to, to their research, their database. Uh, 56 in California, 
there have been 23 um, statements of hate against Islam, against Muslims made by elected officials. Uh, and in New York, the number is 48. So 48 incidents uh, total and seven ins uh, instances where an elected official has made negative statements against Muslims. Right now, if you go down to Connecticut, prior to this uh, this intentional fire, this arsonist, this hate crime uh, against uh, Masjid, and, and we thank God that no one was, was hurt, but there was somebody inside. Uh, but still, prior to this, there are only six, and I say only, right? There should be none. But when you think about 48 and 56, there are only six instances, I'm sorry, five instances of anti-Muslim uh, or, uh, or anti-Islamic um, activity that were reported, and three instances of elected officials making negative statements about uh, Muslims. So that, I think that prefaces well this idea of the need for uh, security, the awareness of, um, the awareness that we're in a position that has us not always being cared for or considered by those who are elected and supposed to be representing and serving us. So we've got to take it upon ourselves to engage them on one hand, but we also have to take the responsibility of managing our own security. So that being said, uh, tell us about this new initiative that CLGC uh, has embarked upon that addresses this concern directly. Yes, thank you, and thank you for the opportunity to share our message uh, with your your community. Um, as you may know, CLGC is an umbrella organization, and as such, uh, the interests of our members direct our actions. <clears throat> and using the the points you've just shared as a as a backdrop, it is clear there is increasing level of violence directed at houses of worship and people occupying houses of worship, but more specifically uh, Muslims, mosques. Mm -hmm. So we have initiated a, a, a drive to prepare our member organizations for, um, to better prepare themselves for any kind of hostile intruder to their, uh, their, their house of worship or their school. And uh, in essence, we've engaged uh, all the, the uh, members here in, uh, in the greater Chicagoland area. We've had a very positive response on their part to just understanding basic concepts of how we can better protect ourselves. You know, like I said, we, we have an obligation to be prepared. You cannot uh, assume there will be nothing there you, it, to make ready. Mm -hmm. and, and that make ready means to first is to be observant, to understand what risks are really present in your particular area. And then another thing that, that a, a issue that we face from a cultural, in terms of innate to the religion is the, the mosque is to be a welcoming place, a place of refuge. Right. And with those as premises, uh, you know, you're not anticipating people bringing with hostile intentions or to, to visit violence on there. But we've that that perception that culture uh, that reaction has to change now because you have people uh, with uh, ill intent 
visiting masjids. I mean, we've had a number of instances right here in the greater Chicago land area, what? Where uh, in the southwest suburbs, there was an individual with a mask circling the area uh, in the uh, school parking lot, in the masjid parking lot, uh, making disparaging remarks about Muslims and their status here as, as in the United States. Mm-hmm. We've had uh, institutions of school where on their Facebook page, uh, hate and violence is being uh, threatened. They're being threatened on the, the in the social media. Uh, we've another instance is where there was an individual <clears throat> who just entered the facility, in essence, was walking around taking pictures. It's almost <clears throat> excuse me. It's as if he was scoping the place to find to identify vulnerabilities. These kinds of instances are now awakening, heightening the concern. Clearly, there's a level of anxiety in our community Mm -hmm. that was not here in in recent months. It's here now. And the recognition that we must take affirmative steps to protect ourselves. And that's what we've done. Let me ask this. In comparison to another minority faith group, uh, our Jewish brothers and sisters here, right? So we are 1% of the population uh, estimated 1% of the U.S. population, the Jewish community is estimated to be 2% of the U.S. population. And it seems that they have, uh, in dealing with anti-Semitic acts and hate crimes, that they have picked up the ball and sort of ran with it a bit sooner than we have with regard to their preparation uh, and their response. Uh, and it's not uncommon now to go to synagogues and see armed security outside before you get in. Um, Do you think that there was a bit of trepidation on behalf of the Muslim community in taking, and I'm not not saying that the security efforts that we're talking about here are exactly that, but do you think that there has been a sense of trepidation uh, in, in taking steps to be visibly secured? Well, I, I think it's more of a, a perception awareness of the gravity of the problem. Mm-hmm. I think uh, if we go back to was it two, 2017 when we had the the, uh, the demonstration in Charlottesville, that caught a lot of people, uh, particularly Muslims, off guard, not expecting that the level of <clears throat> hate was that it, it could be that palpable in our country. Um, and now with the 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 violence the killings in uh, uh, Christchurch, New Zealand, it's a recognition that there is hostile forces out here. There is a need to be prepared. And this, I believe, are the things that have changed, caused a change in attitude, a recognition that just you can't just let anybody through the door. And um, it's causing, and that's, that's I said, has been part of the impetus that has led us to develop this uh, safety training for our member organizations. And what is that safety training? Uh, well, as much as, as much as you could share <laughs> without without compromising safety. Yes. yes. <laughs> no. Well, fundamentally, we've called on um, uh, members of uh, Homeland Security. Uh, we've consulted with local police departments, the county, the, the Cook County Health Department, in drawing on their knowledge and their expertise to help fashion and mold a plan of action that'll be uniform 
uh, for our masjids. Now, every masjid had predicts, uh, presents a unique uh, security risk. You know, some were uh, converted, a uh, uh, mosque were converted from a, a different use, and it's really not designed to be a um, to be secured against a an intruder. You know, sometimes there's a, a lot of large windows uh, exposing uh, the prayer area, masala area. With that being said, but there's still some fundamental core principles that that are that transcend the actual individual location and extend to any place. And what are those? What we've co- we've come to learn, and what we're sharing with our and in, in training and instructing our member organizations is is that there's three three primary principles that are directing our actions. One is you have to have a degree of perimeter control. And by perimeter, in other words, to understand who's entering your your safety zone within the, the confines of your, your master or your school. Sure. Is that a hostile force? And how do you do that? By having an element of perimeter control. And how is that done? It's done with patrols. That's done with cameras. That's done with barricades. That's done with fences. That That's one element. Mm-hmm. A second element is uh, uh, controlling the point of entry. And by that, you know, you see that uh, when you go to the airport, you see that when you go to, uh, you know, some public facilities uh, where you have uh, guards or or deputy sheriffs or whatever, law enforcement screening the people who come through to know, uh, to identify um, a potential threat to the occupants of that. So that's the second element that we're providing instruction, training, and knowledge on. And then the third element it is, is that to the extent that the perimeter has been compromised, to the extent the entry has been compromised, what? how do you alert? How do you prepare those that are within the, your building to uh, address this? And you, the one of the concept that was shared with us is the the premises that you you run you hide you fight and and that that's another principle that's in directing our actions and and by that i mean if you have a hostile force then you try to direct and evacuate the members through another uh, uh, exit of the premises to to safety so the, let me ask this so there's it sounds like there are a couple of layers to this Right. There's one where you have member organizations, you have the leadership, you have those people who are tasked with security. Uh, and then the other layer of that is an education that's going to have to take place within each institution uh, with the members in those specific spaces to, you know, to impart, you know, run, yes. hide, fight. Right. Yes. When uh, you, you, you hun, there is we. We are working to improve the level of communication among ourselves, or let's just say those with the responsibility of keeping the masjid or the school safe. The next element is improving and the communication with first responders, the law enforcement. And the third element is, is what you're referring to, communicating with the membership of a, if there is a risk of harm uh, 
presented in the facilities. And 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 yes, it there they vary in terms of how they're going to be implemented on, on on each level, but each are critical elements in in really keeping our our masjids and those inside safe. Have there been any conversations that you're aware of, not necessarily from uh, emanating from the CIGC, but just conversations you're aware of that put that that talk about the efficacy of having gun clubs, about having concealed carry, about uh, being more vocal and, and and just being more having more participation when it comes to Second Amendment uh, rights, because to me, uh, before you answer, to me it seems like it has. There's there's been been more of a history of reticence on behalf of Muslims um, in the United States when it comes to that because of 9/11, because of ISIS, and because of the portrayal of Muslims or the connection of Muslims or Islam to violence, where that's one of the spaces where you know we can be. We can all be Americans. Uh, we can all be patriots. But if you're not wearing a uniform, that's not something that you as an individual citizen would want to, um, you know, to engage in. Clearly, that was that is a, a narrative that has existed, particularly since 9-11 in terms of trying to portray the Muslim as um, reflecting elements of uh Peace, if you want to, for the lack of a better word. But yeah. le- the the recognition, though, in terms of addressing that, in terms of how we're looking at this from a security point of view, is, you know, a number of places they are having security that is, you know, armed security, you know, right. because you you want to be, uh, you want to be prepared. The, um, uh, so that, I mean, Steps are being taken to address that, to you know, to prepare oneself for that kind of threat that can be there. But clearly, uh, the a dominant element of of addressing this is not just uh, uh, arming uh, a band of people within the masjid. (laughs) It's more about working with law enforcement and having better lines of communication, so they are one informed of the nature of the threat, the location of the threat, mm-hmm. and being able to eliminate that threat for the well-being of all all those present. Okay. No, no, I, I wasn't saying from an organizational standpoint, like you just you got five or six guys running around with concealed carry <laughs> just willy-nilly. No, I, I was really speaking more about outside of the masjid, just as individuals, um, because I, I fear at times we buy into the narrative. We buy into the stories that are told about us. And we don't think about all of the Muslims that serve uh, not just in the military, but serve on police departments, that serve in the fire department, that are not just doctors, right? We're used to that. Uh, but folks that are first responders. You know, um, it's funny you should mention it because, in essence, um, we've been um, um, blessed to have members of law enforcement in the greater Chicago uh, community who are Muslims contributing, adding their knowledge and expertise to cultivate and form, fashion this, our, our safety plans. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, you know, I, 
uh, if you're going to look at what's happening out, as you say, outside the masjid, uh, you know, I think there is a growing awareness uh, of that. And I, I don't know if I'm ready to draw conclusions on where <laughs> where things are going because uh, it, it it is, to me, it's intimidating to have a group of people who don't know how to sh- use a gun all of a sudden be armed with a gun. Now, well, that, that's why you got to have training. That, that, no you, question you must about have it. Training. You must have training. You yeah. must have training. Yeah. So moving forward, uh, this is one aspect of responding to anti-Muslim um, uh, bias and uh, Islamophobia and violence against Muslims and securing our houses of worship and uh, businesses. Uh, this is one aspect of it. Can we talk a bit about the other side of that and the, the proactive side, the side where uh, where we have formed alliances and how CLGC has been uh, an integral part of of that work in the Chicagoland uh, area? Well, yes. Um, the security is a, is a reaction, mm-hmm. a reaction to a, a real threat that the members in our community face. Nonetheless, and even before uh, these recent violent outbreaks that have, have impacted not only mosques but synagogues and, and churches, uh, not only in the United States but across the world, there has been a, re- a recognition that we must become civically engaged. And by that, I mean not only in the political arenas, advocating for policies that, that, that benefit the Muslim community and benefit the society at large, but also in terms of working with uh, in other interfaith partners and traditions to advocate principles that are common to us, like a sense of justice, concern for, you know, for, for those at, at risk or at, at disadvantage. And to challenge and, and speak out, fight back against this this rising climate of I call it hate speech. Mm-hmm. You may mentioned earlier in your in your remarks to, to the audience about the number of governmental representatives making statements that have been construed as uh, hate statements. I, I've noticed something in the news recently where a judge, a criminal criminal judge in the state of Tennessee mm-hmm. making statements that have uh, uh, hate statements as they reply to uh, Muslims and Jews. Um, wow. And another thing I think that should be kept in, in mind is is what has drawn the, uh, uh, the attention most in recent uh, headlines is how this has impacted the, the Muslim community, how it's impacted Let's say the Catholic community has impacted Jewish community, but uh, this there's been a long history in this country of uh, hate directed at African Americans, and when you look at these hate messages, that's always one of the phrases in there mm-hmm. as they recite an add on Jews or they add on Af- uh, add on Muslims. Yeah, it 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 it, it really relates to. Uh, continuing the legacy of racial hate that still is a part in the fabric of this country that people of faith, people of goodwill must come together and continue to fight against. Mm. I I think what you're, I wouldn't say alluding to, but I'll I'll just, I'll put another... um, 
another face on it, uh, to go from simply just racial hatred to white supremacy, right? The, um, the violence that was inflicted against African-Americans, it was rooted in, it was rooted in uh, their subjugation. It was rooted in um, uh, fear. And a lot of times fear is mistaken as, as hatred, is, is mistaken as anger. And the, the fear that we see right now, even with the chants that uh, you talked about Charlottesville earlier, right? They're, they're chanting, uh, Jews will not replace us. Right. I mean, over and over, you start to think like, what what exactly are you really trying to get at? And and what is your fear of being replaced? And, and what do you think? What do you think that means? I mean, once again, I think at the beginning, I said two percent of the population. Right. One percent of the population, two percent, you know, uh, uh, Jews, two percent, Muslims, one percent, uh, African-Americans, 13 percent of the population. Right. And then. You start looking at these small numbers and the reactions that people are uh, that they're that they're um, that they're displaying. It it really doesn't add up, and and that's because fear is irrational, and and that leads me back to when I say white supremacy as the, in my opinion, the chief problem uh, that we have that undergirds all of these whether it's anti-Semitism, Islamophobia, anti-blackness, um, anti-immigrant, whatever it is, they're all rooted in that. And I would, I wish that we had more of our elected officials who were willing to take that on and call it out by name, uh, but that's just a Ramadan wish. Well, I mean, once again, um, that's why civic engagement is so important for all communities. Yeah, particularly the Muslim communities, to begin to rally the members in your community to carry a message to the legislators that these issues must be addressed. Um, what we mentioned, uh, you know, each year, CIOGC has a uh, advocacy day. It's called uh, Illinois Muslim Action Day. All right, and part of the message. Um, that we carried when asked what to do about Islamophobia, well, you know, it, 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 it's, hard, it's hard to legislate against hate. Mm -hmm. But nonetheless, you can provide barriers or venues to protect those people. And one, or in the alternative, to deter. And one of the suggestions that we, 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 we shared with the legislators is, is that there should be tougher, more strict, harsher penalties for anybody who commits an act of violence in a house of worship. Yeah. Not just any any house of worship. Mm -hmm. So it sends a message that, you know, that we care, we're concerned about this, and we're taking it seriously. And then the other aspect is, is finding ways, and once again, this is being engaged, and also engaged with law enforcement. So there's there's a better sharing of information to to protect the whole. Um, we must uh, all communities must engage because it's hard to argue or discuss uh, when you're d reacting on emotions and fear. 
and some of that, as you're saying, is grows out of ignorance. Mm-hmm. And to the extent that there is more engagement, and more particularly with those who profess to hate you, mm-hmm. uh, so at least people are making it a, can be making a rational decision instead of an emotional decision. <laughs> well, I appreciate that. Um, definitely something to think about. Uh, for those of you who are in the Chicagoland area, uh, who are members of the CIOGC, hope that you are taking advantage of this security training. Um, and, you know, and just if I can share this too, this, uh, this training is not being restricted just to our member organizations. Any Muslim community that uh, is interested in participating, Please reach out to us. Our telephone number is area code 312-506-0070. And, and just ask that for information about the security program. Um, there's information on our website at www.cogc.org. Um, and um, like I said, is the objective is, is to help everybody to be prepared. Uh, for po- the potential, the real risk that a hostile intruder can come to your place and and we've, and hurt. We we've seen it too much, uh, too many times now. So, thank you so much, brother Abdullah. Well, thank you for having me, and uh, I extend my, on behalf of the council, extend my Ramadan greetings to uh, your listening audience, and may Allah bless this to be a a peaceful and, and re, reinvigorating month to bring us closer to our creator. Amen. 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 All right, Radio Islam family, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a short break, but we will be back in a moment. This is Radio Islam, and we're on WCEV 1450 AM. Well, Jason, I've got to tell you, you're pretty much everything this company is looking for in an entry-level candidate. Great. Your resume isn't quite what we're used to, but you've got a fantastic work ethic. Thank you. And I'm impressed by how you carry yourself. So, should we talk about the job? What? The job? Oh, sorry. Yeah, I have no way of recruiting or even meeting you. This interview didn't happen. It may sound ridiculous, and that's because it kind of is. There's a huge pool of talent your company is missing out on. Meet the grads of life. Who are they? Talent worth knowing about. Young adults of unique determination and experience. An ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or even mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Man, we really could have used him. Don't miss out on a resource many innovative companies have already discovered. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. The Syrian Community Network, with offices nationwide, serves its Chicago area clients from its Northside location, located at 5439 North Broadway. They provide housing, social services, education, basic human needs, and food security. The Syrian Community Network has Arabic-speaking staff and is a partner organization of the Illinois Coalition for Immigrant and Refugee Rights. You can get more info by calling area code 872-806-0141. That's area code 872-806-0141 or by visiting their website at syriancommunitynetwork.org.
Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq al and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, and we are streaming at WCEV1450.com. Remember to keep up with us on social media. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Look for us at Radio Islam USA, and also subscribe to the podcast. Uh, we are wherever you get yours at. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, and TuneIn. And you'll find us at the same username at Radio Islam USA. Once again, Ramadan Mubarak, everyone. Uh, blessed Ramadan to you and your families. Uh, we pray this month has been beneficial. Uh, we've got we've got more ahead of us, right? We've got, uh, like I said, we're just about a third of the way through. Um, and I think this is a great time for us to go ahead and go back to one of the segments that we actually don't, um, I think maybe may, may have been one time that we played one on air, uh, but it's the Building Faith uh, series, and that's where we speak with the learned, we speak with uh, those who have experience, uh, just a variety of voices on, on, on what it means to be Muslim, uh, and particularly some of the things that the, the person who is newer to the faith uh, may find interesting, but I think there's something there for everyone. I'm sure we've got some brothers and sisters who are experiencing Ramadan for the first time, uh, and you might even have a question, right? Uh, but these are, and, and and you may find some answers. You may find some inspiration, some insight uh, in these reflections. Uh, and these are standalone. You can go to uh, to RadioIslam.com as well, and you'll see them there uh, as well. But as I said, anywhere you get your podcast, you'll find that. And these are generally from between 7 to about 14, 15 minutes long. So we want to listen to one uh, that we did with uh, Sheikh Kafani um, Ibrahim, uh, and uh, he's out of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, beautiful brother, really, really uh, learned and uh, just a beautiful spirit. So we want to listen to that and hope we find some, some benefit in it. Thinking. So our guest for the first Building Faith episode of 2019 is Detroit's own Imam Kafani Ibrahim Hassan Sise. He is one of the imams of the African-American Islamic Institute uh, in Detroit, um, a khatib who speaks on a regular basis, you know, uh, around and throughout the city and in many other places. Uh, and also, I just give you a heads up. Look for an in-depth interview with him, inshallah, in the very near future. But we are pleased to welcome him to Building Faith. Assalamu alaikum. Wa alaikum So, uh, as I mentioned, that this is our first offering of 2019. Uh, social media has been filled with uh, do this in the new year, New Year's resolutions. Uh, what are you going to change? And and that's kind of uh, part of the human condition is that uh, for those who are conscious, there is uh, this element. There is this thing within ourselves where we want to be better. Uh, and we're looking for starting points. We're looking for reset buttons, reset points. Uh, what are some of the things that you would share with uh, with the with new Muslims, what are some of the things that comes to mind in particular for you uh, when we think about this uh, idea of resetting, of recalibrating ourselves and uh, looking at new starting points? Inshallah, first of all, bismillahirrahmanirrahim. 
Uh, first of all, looking, first of all, as with new Muslims and with Muslims um, who are seasoned or, or who have been Muslim all the we first of all, we should realize that uh, with the Gregorian uh, calendar uh, changing, first and foremost, if we were, are going to restructure ourselves for the new year, uh, we should remember uh, that our true new year in Islam is Muharram. Amen. And if we look at Muharram, and uh, many times when Muharram comes, uh, people let those first 10 days of the year, things go by and they don't fast much and things. Uh, and then we look at this uh, year or the Jew year or however you want to call it jokingly, a year in which in New York, they they, 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 they show an apple that falls down from a tower, which is a, which is a rein, um, a reenactment of the, 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 of Adam and Hawa falling from heaven or the forbidden fruit or as such. And then when they do that, everybody celebrates. There's confetti and they all, uh, you just kiss random people on the streets, which is a celebration of when Adam and Hawa, they met back with each other, when Adam and Eve met back with each other. Mm-hmm. What we have to do is look deep within ourselves. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, uh, not being too preachy, um, has given us a, uh, a root word uh, with many meanings to it. When we see Muharram uh, uh, as a year for us spiritually and what we should do in restructuring ourselves, then physically we can see this year or the Gregorian year that has become what we're doing uh, physically with ourselves also. Mm-hmm. So there are two terms that are very close and uh, uh, sound, but very different in reality. One is Qalq, which is Khaf Lam Qaf. And and then Kuluk, which is Khaf Lam Qaf also. When we look at Qalq or Qalaiq, it means the creation. That means that in this year, in any year, we have to be aware of the outward things that are going on, the creation, um, the things that you can see, taste, touch, feel, or the things that can see, taste, touch, and feel even you. We have to deal with these in better ways. Uh, when you look at the media now, now, now we can see how many things are going on because of, of the, the interactions that some people had in their lives or the trauma that they had in their lives and what it created them and created to them in a latter date because of what the qalq or the creation has done to them. Mm-hmm. But also, as Muslims, we have to look at the khuluq. The khuluq is how you act and what is your manner deep inside. What is the use of living a year when you're able to uh, uh, train everything externally about your body, but you don't train anything internally about yourself? Mm. Uh, The human being uh, itself, uh, we're based upon three main realities. And those three main realities is our mental, uh, physical, and spiritual state. Uh, most human beings, uh, they do train their minds. So that with a mental state, there's some people who have become um, powerhouses and strong men. And then you have other people who train their bodies. And because of that, they've become strong and they can become powerhouses and that. And then you have very few people who have trained their souls. So you have people with very brilliant minds and people with, with, with some people with very strong bodies, but they have feeble souls. Mm-hmm. So our focus should be 
and strengthening ourselves mentally, physically, and spiritually, since we should be balanced. And a Muslim should follow the Ihdina Salatu Mustaqim. And that Ihdina Salatu Mustaqim, that middle path, is, is we should train our minds as much as we can, train our bodies as much as we can, and train our souls just as much as we can. So our focus should be, be on that. And we shouldn't be like those who go within the year and lie to themselves. They call it resolutions. Mm-hmm. What, we don't need resolutions. We need real solutions. Mm-hmm. And these real solutions that we should have in our lives are something that we should make a pact between us and, 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 and the Most High. You making a pact between you and your friend, uh, uh, even if we were to follow the rights of the new year, uh, which is which is based upon um, being mischievous and lying, lying and uh, uh, not fulfilling your obligations. Uh, and that is why when the new year uh, uh, here in America, many of the places you will hear them sing a song, should all the acquaintance be for God for days of all anxiety. If you really listen to that song, that song means that any promise that I made for anything that I really should do for anyone this year, I can break that lastly. Mm. I can break that promise. I don't have to fulfill it for days of all anxiety. And so, uh, therefore, we as Muslims have to reformulate and realize that spiritual benefit and our spiritual regeneration for us is in Muharram. And we should, in Muharram, the new year for us within Islam should be just as important as this one. Um, uh, that we have just gone into. Mm-hmm. We have to have an internal building, an uh, in, internal cleaning, a spiritual uh, 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 a renewal that we should do every year. If we did this every year, then we'd be much better human beings. Mm-hmm. If we did something mentally, physically, and spiritually, we should not be decrepit. Uh, our souls should not be decrepit. Um, 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 Islam should not just be be uh, be Arabic yoga. It should not be a calisthenic where you are able to do a few movements and bounce your head on the ground. It should not have a depth that is very shallow. Um, our Islam should not be like us going to the ocean and looking at the beauty of the ocean and only feeling the water upon our feet. Our salam should be something uh, something that we should submerge ourselves into. We should swim within this deen. Uh, we, should, we, we, should, we should go out into the horizon in this deen, and we should increase ourselves in focus. And we should increase ourselves in three main things also, which are actions, our words, and our deeds. And they call it biafal, waqwal, wahwal. Af'al are your actions, you know, in the street. They know, you know, uh, OGs and everybody know this. Why is it that we have gotten to a point within our Islam where the average OG or or a person on the street uh, doing whatever have a sense of honor, and at times we don't have honor for ourselves because this brother is Shia, this brother is Sufi, this brother is from this place, this brother from the south side, this brother from the north side. In Detroit, this brother from the east side, this brother from the west side. This is all foolishness. Mm. Shaitan, who is who is who is fighting us every day, doesn't care where you're from. He doesn't care what your loan is, what your color is, or anything. All he wants to do is destroy your focus and destroy that connection you can have with your soul. And he wants to increase the uh, uh, the love that you have for your nafs, which is your lower desires. And he wants to increase the love that you have for the Most High. So in this mental, in this physical, in this spiritual battle, we have to have focus. And the only way that we can really focus is coming together. If you're by yourself, then shaitan can destroy you. But if you're amongst the community, 
or if you have a brother or an elder or somewhere, or brothers and sisters, we need to come together. Uh, married couples need to need to need to come together so that we can help each other. Uh, a, a single, a single couple need to need, need to get help in which in ways in which they can be, become become married. We need uh, we as Muslims and uh, we, we need to fight more and increase more in coming together because Satan is coming together every day. Satan is coming together every day. We can see it very clear right now. Satan can come together. He's coming together. They don't care if they're they don't care if they're Protestant. They don't care if they're whatever they are in the world. They're coming together for one cause, and that cause is a losing one. But we have uh, we have the Lord of the worlds, and we're not coming together at this time. We really have to uh, focus on the goal, and the goal is purifying your own heart. The goal is getting rid of those lower desires. The goal is getting rid of that filth that is from your heart. The goal is realizing that Shaitan can sometime be you. Mm. The goal is realizing when Shaitan is you, when are you able to say, When can you say, Oh Allah, I seek refuge from myself. Mm. And when we start to really realize those things that we need to seek refuge from ourselves. And that we need to increase ourselves in doing works to be afal in action uh, uh, with our bodies, wa'ahwal, and with our tongues and with our speaking and being the best of people, wa'ahwal, and with our deeds. Because if we don't have these three things, then we really have nothing. Thank you so much. That was wonderful. May Allah reward you with, with what is better, with the, the best. May Allah continue to elevate you. And, uh, I mean, I mean, I mean, and you also. So uh, that, yeah. All right. We're going to take a short break, and we will be back in a moment. This is Radio Islam on WCEV 1450 AM. Why was the basketball court all wet? Because the players kept dribbling on it. <laughs> the dad joke. Corny, groan-worthy, but also one of the simplest ways to share a moment with your kids. What did the buffalo say when he dropped his son off for school? Bye, son. <laughs> so take a moment to make your kid laugh, because dad jokes rule. Make your kid laugh today. Go to fatherhood.gov. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services and the Ad Council. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting, a Teenager, Learning the Lingo. Jelly. Jelly adjective. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will love you just the same. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Adopt U.S. Kids, and the Ad Council. Hey, hon, what you doing with your fun? Do flowers have best friends? I don't know. Hey, look. Whoa. Some answers can only be found in nature. Discover the unsearchable. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a trail near you. Brought to you by the United States Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back. Welcome back to Radio Islam. This is your host, Tariq el We are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, streaming at WCEV1450.com. If you are joining us for the first time or 
if you're joining us in the middle or towards the end of this broadcast, uh, you can keep up with us on social media by liking our pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's right. So follow us. You'll find us at Radio Islam USA. And we're also wherever you get your podcast. So you may have come in now, uh, but you can always go back, go to Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, or TuneIn, or anywhere else, and find us at that same username, at Radio Islam USA. And subscribe, rate, review, share, all of that great stuff. Um, we wished you at the beginning of the program a Ramadan Mubarak, a blessed Ramadan. Uh, all of those uh, who are benefiting from this blessed month. Uh, it's also important that we remember those who are unable to, uh, to reap the rewards of this blessed month. Uh, those who are prohibited from fasting, from uh, any outward display of uh, of their Muslim identity. And for those of you who joined us at the Sound Vision dinner a uh, week ago uh, and heard from our uh, esteemed keynote speaker, Congresswoman Ilhan Omar, uh, you also heard a plea from us, or I should say uh, you got some really important information from us regarding the Fast from China campaign. Uh, you all know that we have talked about the uh, Uyghur Muslims, our brothers and sisters. They are a Turkic people uh, in China. Uh, they have, and they are now in concentration camps at rates that some of you would find uh, hard to believe. But the facts are that two million innocent people are sent to the Chinese concentration camps where they are force-fed haram food. That is food that is uh, prohibited. Um, to Muslims. So they're being force-fed this food. 500,000 Muslim children are taken by force to the Chinese orphanages where they are raised as anti-Muslim communists. And uh, they are doing this under the guise of, or under the cover of, so-called re-education camps. That's what they're calling these concentration camps. But in fact, uh, concentration camps is exactly what they are. One million Chinese communists are forced, they are forcibly placed uh, in the homes of Uyghur, um, of Uyghur families, and as guests, they label them as guests, and China has admitted to doing this. Uh, 5,000 mosques destroyed, and they are now demolishing Christian churches as well. So among those who are in these concentration camps, it is not just the, the great majority are Muslims, are Uyghur Muslims, but they are also uh, ethnic minority, Turkic minorities, who are also in, uh, incarcerated in these concentration camps as well. So this attack on religion, it is one that is, is broad-based. Uh, and uh, the Christian minority is also uh, falling victim to that attack. It's also important to note, China supported Burma's genocide of Muslims and is now committed to the genocide of the Uyghur. You all know the track record of Sound Vision, the work that has come out of the office with regard to the Burma Task Force, uh, advocating on behalf of the Rohingya. Uh, and we're now in a similar space where that, that advocacy has now transferred to, uh, we're still working on behalf of the, uh, of the Rohingya, right? The BTF, the Burma Task Force, is still up and running. But we've taken this, this challenge on, uh, we've taken this injustice on, and we are asking for your help. So when I said fast from China, 
uh, it's important to realize that as we are fasting and we're benefiting from this month, that our brothers and sisters there, they are uh, in, in completely uh, different shape, uh, in dire straits, uh, we could say. So there are some action items that we want to share with you and hope that you can, uh, we're just about almost a third of the way through Ramadan, right? It's just flying by. As I said it would, as, as, as we all said it would, you know, at the very beginning. Uh, but we're about a third of the way through, and we've still got time left, right? We've still got a lot of time left, a substantial amount of time that we can make a dent. We can make our, um, our disdain and our disapproval uh, known, right? So these action items are really important. So if a product is made in China, look for alternatives. We know this is difficult, but it's worth the effort, right? It's worth the effort. And so what we're asking is that for you to tell the store manager you'd like to buy products made elsewhere, right? And you can find more on saveuyghur.org uh, forward slash fast from China. So that's S-A-V-E-U-I-G-H-U-R.org forward slash fast from China. Now, here's another really important uh, point here. Call MIT's president to stop assisting China in the persecution of Uyghurs. Uh, and also, and I'm going to come back, I'm going to actually expound on that a little bit more. Share this action alert. Share this with five more people. So if you go to the website, you can simply just share the link to the website with other people and let the website speak for itself. You don't have to worry about being an expert on uh, on what's going on over there, all you need to do is put the tool in someone else's hand, give them the information, and ask them to do the same. Ask them to share that with other people. So we want to make sure that this is not just about not buying, right, which is which is an important part, right? We don't want to reward uh, China. We don't want to reward them with the, um, with the, uh, with the, with the profit for, the persecution of uh, of the Uyghur people. We don't want that. So we want to also mobilize politically. So we're asking you to call your elected leaders. Please keep calling your representatives and senators to support uh, Senate Bill 178. Uh, and in the House, it's 649. And I'll, I'll just share with you quickly the wording of that, uh, of that bill in the Senate. So it was introduced... Uh, January 17th, and this bill directs various U.S. government bodies to prepare reports on China's treatment of the Uyghurs, a predominantly Muslim Turkic ethnic group. The Office of the Director of National Intelligence shall report to Congress on issues including the security threats caused by the Chinese government's reported crackdown on the Uyghur population in Xinjiang province and on the transfer or development of technologies used to facilitate mass internment and surveillance there. Now, I wanted to read that, uh, and I'll, I'll rewind, okay, uh, to crack down on the, the, uh, the transfer or development of technologies that are being used to facilitate this mass internment uh, and surveillance. This is where MIT comes in. They've played a major role in the development of the technologies that are used to surveil millions, millions of Uyghur people. Uh, so please do. Uh, do what you can. Share the information. 
call your elected officials. Let uh, the folks know wherever you shop. Let them know that I don't want to purchase products that are made in China. And I know it, you know, let's just be, I'm, I'm being very real here. I know that may sound absolutely like impossible, right? But nothing is impossible. Uh, what did I just, I think I just heard somebody say, um, who said this? It's in the letter, it's in the spelling of the name uh, and of the word, I am possible, right? So impossible, I am possible, all right? Um, so this is something, you know, it, it's, it's a, it's a big deal. Uh, it's a big deal. It is something that's going to require some collective effort and some consistency. So that's where we're asking you, uh, the Burma task force was not, has not been successful because people didn't pay attention because people did not pick up the phone. They didn't spend 10 minutes a day. They didn't respond to the action, uh, items. It was successful precisely because you have bought in and you have supported. So we're asking once again for your support during this month of Ramadan. Uh, be a voice for those who are unable to be uh, a voice for themselves. Uh, and, and let's send a message that this, uh, this persecution, this oppression, that it will not be tolerated. And let's send a message to our elected officials that represent us. Let's send a, a message to them that they're going to have to use uh, our influence as a nation uh, to uh, to bring some justice uh, to this situation. So, so that's it. So saveuyghur.org. Go there, get more information, share it. Um, you know, and, and 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 let's just keep them in our prayers, and let's just keep, uh, inshallah, keep moving forward. Uh, and you know, we pray for uh, we pray for a for an end to this, uh, to these concentration camps. Okay. That is it. Uh, I thank you all for joining us for another edition of Radio Islam. I'm your host and producer, Tariq Alameen. Our executive producer is Abdul Malik Mujahid. We remind you that the views expressed by the host and our guests are theirs and not to be taken as a representation of Sound Vision Foundation. With that, we're going to leave you as we greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Thank you.